Do do. Here we go. My name is Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 421. And why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? Always remember our motto, my darling, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I'm going to talk about a podcast I listen to, uh, one of my favorites. Uh, it's called Freakonomics. And the title of the podcast is Listen uh, After the Glass Ceiling, A Glass Cliff. And it's all about women coming on as CEOs of large companies. And what do you have up your sleeve for this podcast? I have the Gentle Warriors Manifesto. Gentle Warriors Manifesto. Very good. Uh, but first, we have a conference coming up. It's actually this Friday and Saturday. If you're listening, uh, we're recording this on February 26th of 2018. If you're listening after, sorry, you missed it. If you're listening this week. If you're listening after and you missed it, that sucks. Yeah, sucks to be you. Yeah, that's too bad. It's too bad for you. Yeah, because. But there's always next year. There is always next year, but if you're listening to this before, then what are you doing? We'd love to have you. Get there. ZenParentingConference.com. Um but first, I um, was in Denver last week for work, and one of my coworkers asked me, so what is that? What, tell me about Zen Parenting Radio. And I realized I'm just not very good at explaining what it is. You've been saying this for seven years. I'm just not good. I'm like, well, we talk. And so I'm, at, I'm saying this out loud just so maybe our listeners can help me with my elevator speech. But here's the thing. You you, you say this a lot to me, but yeah. I've written like 50 things. That's like, the look problem, our- sweetie. I don't want 50 Give me one sentence. Okay, but go to our website right. and look at the, all the, the different right. things. Like there's, you know, we're a podcast that talks about self-awareness, cult, pop culture, and parenting. Right. You can talk about our whole intention is to raise awareness around the things that matter most. Right. Um, we go to, I, I have a really good thing written on Instagram. But I don't know how engaging it is. Like, I feel like I need a better grab because they're like, oh, that sounds good. You need a better grab on the thing you created? Yeah. And I've been doing it so long, I kind of forget. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. We talk, and it's good. Self care, good sell, good selling. I'm so bad, good, good salesman. <laughs> so, can we um, start with my thing first? Sure, absolutely. Last week we started with your thing. Sure, of course. It's my turn. So, um, <laughs> you win. I win. I just want to make sure everybody knows that I won today. By the way, before when you say when you said podcast, you go podcast. You sounded like you're from and- Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. Chicago. Chicago podcast. Um, so there's this podcast called Freakonomics, um, and there's a specific one. Uh, so here's kind of the summary of what it said. Only 5% of Fortune 500 companies are run by women. Why? Question mark. Research shows that female executives are more likely to be put in charge of firms that are already in crisis. Are they being set up to fail? Question mark. So this clip is. Um, so can sure. you, you explain something? And uh, many of you probably listen to Freakonomics because it's so good. But to, as Todd always says, every time he listens to a great Freakonomics episode, he comes home and he'll say, and I just love it so much because they don't, they give every side to the story. They use multiple, um, they, they use lots of different research 
and they don't really give an opinion. Mm-hmm. They just share uh, usually what ends up being a consensus. Yes. But sometimes there is no consensus. Right. They're just sharing the truth about the research. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think Todd likes it so much is because it's not, um, their intention isn't to be like, think like me. Yeah, I don't think there's any agenda. I don't think I so. think they look for trends. I mean, just the whole idea of economics, it's about without opinion. Right. I think it's, this is the data, this is the research, these are the trends, this is what's predictable, how do we learn from this? Yeah, maybe what they choose has some um, relevance to what's going on in the world. Sure. Like they're like, you know what, we should look at this. Yeah. But what they do is, you know, there's some, there's some research out there that literally one, there's been one study. I know when people say research says, um, you can read between the lines and yes. anything, but there, if there's a consensus of research, because yeah. you can't just say, well, this one study, and this goes down, goes with the scientific method that I don't know anything about. It's just, you can't just choose a sample size of 10 people, you know, interview them and say, well, research says blah, blah, blah. Correct. You know? And the, there's a few different ways you can, it's research, it's different studies that have the same result and taking a study and replicating it, yes. replicating it, replicating it, which is why I love a lot of the research that you and I talk about is it's replicated research. It's yeah. like, it. this was the truth in the USA. This was the truth in Australia. This is the truth with this population, that population. So I just wanted to set Freakonomics up in that Thank way. You, sweetie. Mm-hmm. So here's a quick clip and we'll talk about it. Did Glass and Cook find, as Ryan and Haslam had found, that women are more likely to get the top job when a firm is in trouble? They sure did. We found that white women and people of color are significantly more likely than white men to be promoted CEO to weekly performing firms. Weekly performing firms, which, if the female CEO didn't turn them around, often replaced her with a man. We term this the savior effect. In other words, the firm experimented with this kind of non-traditional leader, perhaps trying to signal it was headed in a bold new direction. Um, that it was aggressively going to address performance declines. And if that doesn't happen, these leaders tend to be blamed and replaced, you know, like back to normal, bringing in the kind of white male typical leader to then navigate the firm out of crisis. There we go. So um, I was going to say one quick thing. Oh, one thing that they said later on, This it's, it's a 60-minute podcast, and it would be silly for me to kind of encapsulate you know, our small portion of our podcast to this, but just know that it's a really good, you listen to the whole thing, right? Uh-huh. Um, but one thing that they said later on that I'm not going to play a clip from is a lot of times when firms are failing, and I'm talking about like these are top 500 uh, firms in the country, when they're failing, they go with the first tier and the first tier, whether it's right or wrong, is men. Like they're the most, and the men, the first tier, like, well, I don't want to get into that company because then I'll fail. So then they go to the tier twos. And because women don't get as many opportunities, they're they take, more they likely to it. say yes. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I just wanted to say that because that was an important part that I'm not going to include in this podcast. So. so basically what you're saying is that a lot of times when a company needs help or they need to be pulled out of crisis, they may offer it to men, but men are less likely to take it because they don't want the risk. And the women are like, oh my gosh, I Here's have this opportunity. opportunity. Yeah, so opportunity. then they jump in it. So what did you want to say anything about that clip? Actually, I want to ask you why you were so, why this podcast was so interesting to because, you. Because um, I love Freakonomics. I love the idea is that there is no agenda that they have. I think that... 
But uh, it's not about Freakonomics. Why did you think this topic was interesting? Because we talk about equality. Right. Well, and that's the thing is you've been talking about this. I'm much more interested in what you were surprised about because the research was super interesting to me. and, And obviously now I have more research to discuss with people, mm. but were you surprised? Of course not. You were? Well, I was a little surprised that um, the idea of this podcast was they were talking about how they'll bring women in and in failing companies and it'll make it easier to boot them out. Right. I didn't know any of that. Did well, you? And it makes them easier to say, we tried that. Yes. Because a lot of times companies have to deal, um, deal is the wrong word, companies have goals mm. to become more diverse and to you know have more women be in leadership positions. And so the way they'll do that often and, you know, here's here's the thing. Before I even make the statement, you know, the way they do that is they bring in someone to a position and then they end up getting, you know, pushed out. Yeah. I don't even know. And, and this is listening to this podcast. I'm not quite sure if it's conscious. Right. It could be a collective um, unconscious. unconscious bias. And th- that's the thing is, could you tell from the research? Because a lot of times it was they went into that it's sometimes, again, why understanding the way we look at gender affects every aspect of what we do. So I'm going to play a clip specific to that. Here we go. It's about a minute and 30 seconds. Okay. Who do you want? In a scenario where everything is doing well, who do you want? The man or the woman? And in a scenario where things were going badly, who do you want? And what they find? What we found was when everything is going well, so when share price was going up or when everything is hunky-dory, we found they were almost 50-50 likely to choose the man or the woman. But when things were going badly, when there was crisis on the horizon, where there'd been criticism and where there was risk involved in the leadership position, they almost exclusively chose her. So we can conclude from that there's some sort of preference for women when all is going badly. But Ryan does not interpret this preference as a willful sabotage of the female candidates. We've done some follow-up studies to really find out what it is about women or what assumptions are people making about women that make them particularly good in times of crisis. And what we found is that there's some evidence that there are stereotypes, gendered stereotypes about men and women that suggests that women might be better leaders in times of crisis. So if we ask people, what are the sorts of traits and abilities that you want from a leader when things are going badly, the sorts of traits that they come up with are stereotypically feminine traits. So we want someone that's good with people. We want someone that's warm and who's a good communicator, someone that's tactful and sociable. Now, I'm not saying that all women have those traits or that no men have those traits either, but those are our stereotypically feminine traits. So that kind of, uh, the reason I like this podcast is because that kind of gives another opinion on why this might happen. And he goes on to say, well, like, this is one big collective mommy complex. Like, yeah, that's I'm in I trouble yeah. and I need help. I need my mom. I need my mom. And and that's what's interesting is that, is the, again, the perspective that people often have on who's the best leader, when you really get down to what's going on in a home, oftentimes, Who's managing the crisis? Mm. Now, that doesn't mean, and again, obviously I'm saying a mom is managing the crisis. It doesn't mean 
a man in the home isn't managing crisis at work and managing their crisis, managing crisis um, or co-managing crisis. It's right. not, again, like she said, it's not about men can't do this, women can. Don't, you know, again, as we were saying on last week's podcast, don't create this dichotomy where you're either with me or against me. It's both. Yeah. Um, but it is... There is something that we believe, like Todd will always say, I just remember, he would say, I remember growing up and whenever I was sick, I'd rather be with my mom. Right. And I've had this debate with friends because I I think that all things being equal, now my mom was more nurturing than my dad. Right. Are there families out there where the dad is more nurturing sure. than moms? or just as? Or so my, so my thing is, let's say my mom and my dad were equally nurturing. I think I would have preferred to be with my mom. Yeah. And somebody would be like, well, that's silly. If they're equally nurturing, why would you have one preference over another? I'm saying that that is my genetic evolutionary thing. Maybe. That, well, you, that's my opinion. I don't know what's right. Well, what I mean is you don't really know that that's a genetic thing. No, I have you no just, idea. I'm just right. talking. I'm, I open my mouth and things come out, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> genetic, genetic evolutionary thing. That's, That's right. Like I'm declaring it that. That's <laughs> oh, what it is. I love not being a scientist because I could just say stuff. That's like it... my neurobiological <laughs> makeup leads me to believe. But no, I I agree with you. I obviously working with women, being a woman myself, um, you manage crisis beautifully. Um, but I feel like sometimes there there is kind of like going back to Gemma Hartley's article from so long ago, uh, we talked about how women manage the emotional needs of the family. I think there's a lot of, if I'm putting this in quotes, crisis that occurs that um, sometimes the partner is not even aware of that is being handled. Yeah. <laughs> Did I say that well enough? Meaning that we're handling things all the time that are emotional crises that don't appear to be a crisis to our partner. Right. But if we weren't handling it, there would be, things would be falling apart everywhere. I know. Exactly. So, and it's that acknowledgement of, let's take that into the workplace you know, I think that sometimes when things are in crisis, what do people need? They need a calm presence. Yeah. They need someone who will listen. They will. They need someone who can acknowledge people's strengths and maybe support them when their weaknesses. Of course, a man can do that. Mm-hmm. But again, if we're talking about characteristics, we tend to feminize those things. Yeah. So when we're picking a candidate, we may be like, we need a woman. Um, last clip. Yes. And this one's kind of funny, but also poignant. Poignant? Poignant. It's such a hard word to say. It is, isn't it? Poignant. So here we go. It's about Doritos, which I love. (laughs) More attention than when men don't do a good job. Um, And there are many men who don't don't do wonderful jobs. Ingenuity of PepsiCo says that female CEOs draw more attention generally, or at least different attention. When you become a CEO and you're a woman, uh, you are looked at differently. Uh, You know, whatever you say... People do they say things like, well, you know, a guy CEO wouldn't have said that. You are held to a different standard. There's no question about it. We featured a long interview with Nui in an earlier episode in this CEO series. We asked her about PepsiCo research showing that men and women eat chips differently. Especially as you um, watch a lot of the young uh, guys eat the chips. They love their Doritos and you know, they lick their fingers with great glee. And when they reach the bottom of the bag, they pour the little uh, uh, broken pieces into their mouth uh, because they don't want to lose that taste of the flavor and the broken chips in the bottom. Uh, you know, women, I think, would love to do the same, but they don't. 
uh, they don't like to crunch too loudly in public. And, uh, you know, they don't lick their fingers generously. And they don't like to pour the little uh, broken pieces and the flavor into their mouth. So is there like a male and female version of chips that you're playing with or no? It's not a male and female as much as other snacks for women that can be uh, designed and packaged differently. And yes, we are looking at it and uh, we're getting ready to launch a bunch of them soon. For women, you know, low crunch, um, the full taste profile, uh, you know, not have so much of the flavor stick on the fingers. And how can you put it in your purse? Nui's comments in that interview launched a controversy. It began with a British tabloid that twisted the story into a too-good-to-be-true internet tale. It said that PepsiCo was about to start selling, or depending on where you read it, maybe they'd already started selling, something called Lady Doritos. The internet then did what it does best, accusing Nui of sexism and general idiocy. This led PepsiCo to issue a statement. All right, so they go on, but I'll stop there. So and the statement was, <clears throat> we don't need to make Doritos for women. We already make them, and they're called Doritos. Doritos. <laughs> so there's two big parts to that long clip. The first one is, I thought it was hilarious of the differences of the way men and women, boys and girls eat chips, mm -hmm. because I do the exact same thing that they describe, which is the bottom of the bag is the most is the best part because mm -hmm. it's the most flavorful. And I don't lick my finger. Well, sometimes yes, I lick my do. fingers, yes, but not all the time. Right. Sometimes mm -hmm. I just rub it on my jeans. Correct. That's what I was going to say is you're not, you kind of just, it's on you. Yes. <laughs> it just kind of <laughs> sticks with me. But then I dip the bag of chips, the bottom of the bag into my mouth. And, and it's the best. And you pat the bottom. Yes. And why wouldn't everybody do that? You know, uh, here's the do thing. Do you do that? I do not. And I. Do you know what you're missing? I, well, <clears throat> no, because I don't like Doritos that much. Insert your favorite chips. Well, maybe. see, the thing about chips is the chips that I like the best. What chips do I like the best? I'm boring. I like plain chips. And so I don't feel like the crumbles at the... Actually, I am the one who doesn't eat... I know. Okay, before we go down there, I want to say that what's interesting about this is I agree with the study, mm -hmm. but it it is, again, a study because Cameron eats chips like you. Yeah, And she's goodness. a girl. Um, you're a girl. You're a girl. And... Um, I think that why that has occurred is not because women maybe don't want to eat it's, the bottom of the it's bag. It's unbecoming. It is. We've been socialized different. Right. And we have probably, you guys have gotten, and I'm putting this in quotes, gotten away with that. Oh, boys, messy, dirty, eating from the bottom of the bag where I can see a girl doing that because she wants that those chips just as much and having a parent or somebody say to her gross. So was it good or bad when I told our daughters last night to eat chips any which way they choose? It's good. They should whatever they want to do. Okay, good. With it, now here's the thing. There's always a balance, right? You want somebody to like I'm I don't love. There's two <laughs> things you do that I don't love. That's um, only two, sweetie? <laughs> only two. One of them is when you have things on your hands and you just wipe it on your pants and you can see it on your pants. Yeah, right. Who cares? Nobody's looking at my pants. They're looking at my face or whatever. The other thing is, is when we're eating together yeah. and maybe you'll grab a Kleenex yeah. and your nose will be running or yeah. something and you'll wipe your nose and then you'll put the Kleenex on the table. Yeah, that's borderline disgusting. It is. And everybody's eating and yeah. I'm kind of like, or it's not even a Kleenex, it's a napkin. So am I supposed to excuse myself or put it no, in my no, pocket? No, no, no. 
you just put it on your lab. It's not for us to see. Yeah, so I got to hide it. Yeah, just put it. And, and the thing is, is this is kind of the point I'm getting to with my daughters. Or if I had sons, I would say my sons mm-hmm. or my 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 husband. Right. It's It's not you can do this and you can't do that. You can do whatever you want, but be thoughtful about that there are other people present. Well, so if you're by yourself, Todd... Put your napkin on the table with snot on it. Yeah. Wipe your because nobody's there. Yeah. It's not about you are a bad person. It is when you are eating with other people, you want to be conscious of their experience. I'm totally with you. So okay. that one's okay, but but the Dorito that one's not okay. I mean, but the Doritos is okay. Like I would hate for my daughters to miss out at the bottom of the bag. Well, and again, it. I think there's some personality involved there too. Like gender wise, I don't think in this house they've been raised to not you know, to eat from the bottom of the bag. And obviously Cameron's saying she does. But I think it depends on who you're with and your comfort level. And Well, and I'm not telling them what to do. I'm just telling them, is it up to me? Eat Doritos any which way right. you want. It's a metaphor for everything else. So the second part of this, and then we'll move on to your sure, topic, sure. Um, is that this woman was criticized oh my gosh, quite yes. heavily. I remember when it was on Facebook. I don't. Yeah, you do. I do. And the the podcast goes on to give many examples of how women get criticized for something that if a man said something similar or did something similar, they would have gotten away with it. But because it was a woman, they are held up to a higher standard or a microscope or whatever. Well, a lot of what the podcast is about is they talk about stakeholders. Yeah. And they talk about how um, stakeholders obviously play a role in how the CEO is perceived to be doing. Right. Like, are you having a lot of stakeholders calling you and questioning you, or is everybody pretty content? And one thing they found, again, research-wise, is that when a woman is in charge, male stakeholders are, are do make a lot more phone calls yeah. and are a lot more critical of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important to, to just take that in for a second, is there is a um, either... And again, I can't speak for the specific person, but either there's a, a more sense of distrust or a belief that that person needs their input or a belief that that person's weaker yeah. and therefore you can impose your power. Yeah. I don't, maybe none of them are true and that person happens to be not doing a great job. Like, this is why research is important because it's hard to look at different situations and say, here's what happened. What you have to look at is a pattern. And does and the pattern they found is that when a woman is in charge, stakeholders tend to be much more... They said that, uh, I think there's a statistic, that typically when a, when a female CEO, when there's a female CEO, she spends 25% of her time uh, making sure stakeholders feel comfortable because she's constantly getting calls mm-hmm. and suggestions and recommendations. And a male um, CEO spends like 5% of their time dealing with stakeholders. So basically the, the women are playing at a deficit. Correct. They're, they're already losing the game. Right. They, they don't have as much time for the other through things. Through no fault of their through own. Through no fault of their own. So these are these little, you know... Micro... Microaggressions, I guess we'd call, or things that are co- that women 
are constantly trying to explain when when men like for example someone will throw out the statistic there are more female CEOs than there's ever been in the history of time and and that'll make them feel good right. you want to know what the percentage is 5% 5% yeah so i'm glad that statistic makes you feel good or that statement but the truth is that's nothing because um how many percentage of women are on this earth as opposed to men 51% so let's get a little bit closer to 51 and not 5 right and that's the thing is we we play with language where it makes us feel righteous about you shouldn't be upset. We elected Barack Obama. There's no racism in this country. Correct. It's that kind of mentality. And again, it's someone framing the conversation for you. Like we talked about last week. Like we talked about last week. It's like they believe there's no in-between and that you're either with me or against me. And there's all this nuance in the middle where it's like, it is great that 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 female CEOs are increasing, but it doesn't mean that we stop looking at their experience. Right. right. So, um, so sweetie, what am I holding in my hand? I don't know. It is a Kind Bar pineapple banana kale spinach. So, Kind Bar is one of our partners, and it is a pineapple banana kale spinach. That's a chewy one. Uh, it's called pressed. This yeah, is pressed. a pressed version. They have a whole bunch of different kinds by Kind Bar, um, but here's the ingredients. I'm going to read them. Ready? Pineapple, banana, apple, kale, spinach. Hey, I said that. I know. I just, I so I actually like this one a lot. Yeah, I know you're I know. not. You're I not. I see the, it in the car all the time. Yes, I do. It's my kind of in between snack. So, um, Kind Bar's been our partner for a while now. I want to tell you how you can get some free Kind Bars, and I love free stuff. Ten Kind Bars for free. All you got to do is pay shipping. Uh, when you order the sample box, you also get to try Kind's Snack Club where you will receive monthly snacks at a discount and get members-only bonuses. So here's what you got to do. Go to kindsnacks.com slash zen. And we're also big fans of them because they have a nonprofit and they're always striving to balance commercial success with social impact. So thank you to Kind. And the other uh, partner of ours this week is Health IQ, and they are a life insurance company. And they have life insurance for health-conscious people. So if you are in that category of being a health-conscious person like runners, cyclists, yogis, vegans, vegetarians, you can get lower rate on your insurance. Uh, It's kind of like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver. Uh, I did some comparison shopping. I am saving a ton of money. Uh, because I switched over to Health IQ, so I encourage you to do. They the just same sent thing. you a big envelope of stuff. Speak. It's my um, new insurance. That's my new insurance yeah, pack. I just got to sign on the dotted line. So yeah, we used to be uh, sixteen hundred bucks um, a year, and now we're down to a thousand wow. for the exact same coverage. So, anyways, go to uh, healthiq.com/zen or mention Zen when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Thank you for our partners. And uh, always appreciate our listeners if they are interested to go to these websites because it helps us and it helps them. So that's the deal. What's that book you have in front of you, so, my darling? We've already a little bit talked about this book, I think in December or January before I got sick. Um, it's called Soulful Simplicity. It's by Courtney Carver. Um, I've mentioned it a few times to a lot of different people um, because I found it interesting I'm having all these experiences now where I have some hindsight about the last three or four months and I see all these like weird threads that are coming together Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not going to bore you with all that because I even think I bored Todd yesterday and he loves me. Um, Was it the part when I wasn't paying attention? Well, it's the part where you start to zone out and I'm, and and I'm just talking, talking because really the threads are not for anybody but me. I'm just starting to recognize like why I was listening to Lionel Richie so much. You know, and it's interesting to me why Lionel Richie has come back into my life. And you guys are probably like, where are you going? And this is what I mean. It's just all weird. Like when we were in 
Florida, I we drove home um, and we had a 24-hour drive. And when Todd was sleeping or whatever, I was listening to like Lionel Richie's greatest hits. And I've been listening and I was listening to Brian Adams in the cars and all these bands from my middle school years. No, not this one. You chose poorly. I did? Yes. Oh, what a feeling. I know, but this is not the Lionel Richie I listened to. Oh, sorry. This is... (laughs) (laughs) Which one? (laughs) A husband's supposed to know what type of Lionel Richie a wife likes. (laughs) It's just, that's such a different, like, that's like the, the fun, jazzy... You know, like I'm gonna be really '80s and poppy. Lionel Richie, play like you are. You are is my favorite. Or no, not this one either. In a long time, she's blind, sweetie. She is. She makes a bust of his face. She makes a butt out of his face. A bust. Remember, she she she's blind. Right, but she's blind as a bat. She makes him out of clay. Can't hear you. Vinyl's talking. This is really pretty, though. I actually, this is a pretty song. It's pretty. Okay, give me what. Give me okay. the one song you want me to play. Um, play. You are Y O U A R E. Yes. Whoa. This is a good song too. This is a great song. That's what I'm talking about. Snapping along. I picked a slow part of the song though. He gets going though. See, what did I tell you about Lionel Richie? Do you remember? What no. does he do with all of his songs? He boogies? No, he builds. Oh, it's a building he, he, song. Every Lionel Richie song he starts kind of down here. And then by the end of the song, watch out. We should play this at the conference just to get you in a good mood. I know. Or the other song that I love, like all the, I love them all, but Say You, Say Me. Yeah. And I do love Truly. Don't Um, you love a lot of them? This is such a great song. Gosh, everybody, go out and get your Lionel Richie greatest hits. It's a great song. In the video, it's just the lyrics. From behind the walls of doubt, Todd's gonna say, A voice was crying out. Building. Say you, say So, the best one, the best one was I don't know if you guys know this little tidbit for you, you can take out into your world today. Lionel Richie wrote Lady by Kenny Rogers. Yeah. And he has this album, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's like where he does duets with everyone. Yeah. And he does, he sings Lady with Kenny Rogers. Oh, really? And it's so good. That's so, funny. You got uh, two dudes singing Lady. It's kind of funny. Yes. And, but, and they just trade off verses. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's just really pretty. I think that's a live version. I love you. You have come into my life and made me whole. You have gone and made me 
such a fool. Sing it, Kenny. And your love. It's actually a good video. They're very comfortable up there singing in front of the audience. It's live. And it and the version I like is not the live version. Oh, got it. Um, it's one that's on his album, but it's such a great song. Mm-hmm. And they both they it's just beautifully done. To me, again, I know some people are like, whatever, but what I'm these things come into your life and you're kind of like, why is this so interesting to me? Oh, okay, and yeah. then what happens is that over time, things start for me tend to start to connect. And then I understand. I'm like, oh, this is why Lionel Richie came back into my like nothing is wasted. You know what I mean? Like everything kind of makes sense. Mm. And and I'm not even going to share all that with everybody because that's my story. Mm. But. I've really been enjoying that. And and like I said, I've been listening to a lot of Brian Adams too. But don't play Brian Adams I won't, right now. I won't. Okay. We'll never end the show. It will never end the show. So I wanted to talk really briefly um, about Courtney Carver's book because like I said, um, I started reading it in early January and then I got sick and I didn't pick it up at all. And since then, I've been reading it super slowly because the book was essential for my healing. Okay. But I got it before I even got sick. See what I mean? Yeah. Universe. The universe, right. So I wanted to talk about uh, just a chapter she has called A Gentle Warrior's Manifesto to End Busyness. Okay. Wow. Right? And this is um, my women, my last women's circle. It was in February. a couple weeks ago. I shared this with them. um, And we didn't, we had so much to talk about. We couldn't dive deep into this. But I think it's been very helpful to me personally. And I also think when people like give some like, you know, because she numbers them, you know, like here's the, here's the, you know, how many of them are there? Let me see in my last page. Oh, I've got it in front of me. 10, 10 things. Okay. Um, that, and I'll say them quickly. I won't take a lot sure. of time with them. But sometimes it helps us, for me, I tend to write my own things for me. But I oftentimes get inspired by what other people write for themselves. And then I like take pieces of theirs and then create a structure for myself. So when I have to make a decision, I'm very clear about what's most important. Mm -hmm. Or when something goes wrong or there's a challenge, I know how to get in and either fix it or let it go. Right. So I wanted to share with you Courtney Carver's uh, Gentle Warrior's Manifesto. And let's just start by saying Gentle Warrior. I love that because as my my children will tell you, during the Olympics, one thing that drove me crazy, and they would make fun of me or they would laugh every time it happened, is every time, especially during figure skating, uh, Johnny and Tara, who, by the way, were so fun to listen to, when they would talk about a figure skater having like a bad short program, mm. but then they'd have a they were coming back for their long program, they'd say... She's going to come back and she's going to fight and she's going to be a fighter and she's going to fight. And I can't stand that word. Mm. It To me, I know what they're saying. Yeah. Like, you don't need to explain to me. It just yeah. means they're... But yeah, why not say she'll persevere? Yeah. Why not say she'll rise up or he? Like, the fight thing is so... And again, it's just the word person that I am. It's so negative. Mm-hmm. Because she's fighting against herself. Right. Who are you fighting? Who are you fighting? She's fighting. They're fighting failure because they failed in the first one and not, and hopefully not the second one. I don't know. I'm just and, trying to make stuff up. And why bother fighting failure? Why bother fighting? And, and so you become this, you, you create this adversarial relationship with yourself. So every time they would say that, the girls would go, mom, 
They said she's going to fight. I'm like, I know, I know. And I would just come up with all these different words. Yeah. And so gentle warrior to me softens that word warrior yeah. because it's like, I am persistent and I am very strong mm. and I am very determined, but I, the word fight to me sounds like I'm fighting myself. Mm-hmm. So gentle warrior. Okay. So this is to end busyness, correct? Yes, to end busyness. And again, her whole book is about how to calm down Chill and out. and get out of this. You know, we think our kids are in the race to nowhere. We're in the race to nowhere. Yes, we are. So number one, I will not say yes when my heart says no. Mm, that's a good one. Okay. Basically, we all know when someone gives us an invitation, our body tells us, do I want to do that or do I not want to do that? So stop there. Our body... <coughs> How does our body tell us anything? Well, that's how I experience it. I either get like a, oh my gosh, I can't wait, or a, like, and my stomach goes like, oh my gosh, I'll just want to get through that. Body intelligence. Body intelligence. That's my experience with it, is I really know pretty quickly. And that's the thing is you, there, I don't say things like I never do that, or I won't do that. Like Todd knows I don't love working at night. Like I like to be done. I will work super hard during the day. You don't like being out side in public you'll like you'll be on your computer sometimes but sure you don't you, you're you'd rather speak in front of groups during, during the, day. the day and and that's just because at the end of the day i've already had a full day and mm-hmm. so i'm not as clear but i never say i never speak at night because i do speak at night sometimes i do i do at the library yep. i'm doing it for the conference it's not a never sure because sometimes my body's like hell yes i yeah. want to do that i don't care if it's at 9 p.m or 6 a.m yeah so there's no nevers. It's just about, that's my heart saying yes. Okay. So number, number nine. Number two. Number nine number or nine. number two? No, we're starting. It's just numbered. Okay. I thought we we're starting at 10 going down to the best one. No, because there is no best one. But I want there the, to be a best these one. These numbers let's are have not a, Let's have a best one. I'll decide which one is the best. The gentle warrior does not compete with itself. <laughs> give me that list. Give me that. Okay. Give me that piece of paper. All right. Don't, but don't say I'm them. I'm not going to say anything. Okay. Go ahead. Number two. Okay. Number two. I will measure more by what's in my heart and less by what's on my list. That seems like the same one as the first one. No, no, it is not because this is about the productivity thing. Okay. So if you have a day, because Todd, you can relate to this one. If you have a day where you feel like you didn't get enough things crossed off your list, you somehow feel that you have failed. Well, and I will tell you, this is, I I need the Gentle Warriors Manifesto because my thing is, What's on my list? This is what I think. This is my right. misperception. I'm owning up to this. Totally. What's on my list will fill up what's in my heart. Right. Right. Beautiful. You've you've figured out her fun language yes. play. Is that's the whole thing? Is we are in this constant, you know, productivity. productivity. And if we we think if we cross more things off, then at the end of the day, we're going to feel more valuable. And in the end. That's right. So if I could, she was like, if I can perform better, then I can climb the ladder faster. I'll be more happier, more successful. People will love me more. Um, But really what I realized is that people don't love you because of what you accomplished. They love you because of who you are. Well, and I can't tell you how many times I'm like, yeah, but just let me finish editing this podcast and then I'll go play with you at the park. Well, and you, and it's funny because let me say, I got to start by saying this because you play more than me. So if this really was a competition because you like them, you win. That's right. Okay. You heard her. At the same time, your delay... In getting to what you say you're going to do with the girls. Oh, yeah. I was driving Skyler crazy yesterday. Is where I, my, and again, if you play more, but if I say, if I'm like, let's, let's go. go, we go. Yeah, I don't I may, sit there I and say. I delay it. 
I'm I'm not like ten more minutes. I know. I need I need to check a few more things off the list so I feel worthy. That's right. Of wasting my time with my daughters playing, playing. which is what you love, right? And I say wasting it with quotes. in quotes, say, saying I know that sounds crazy, right? You, I watch what you're doing. Like sometimes they'll even. <laughs> This is where I become the the middle person. Sometimes they'll even like um, yell down to you like, dad, and you won't even respond. You hear them. I'm locked in, sweetie. But you're locked in. And I'll be like, Todd, they're calling for you. You're like, I know. I'm going to respond back in a second. But me as the feeler in the house is like, but they're waiting for you. So I feel like I need to mediate this, like, dad heard you. And I'm like, you're not even in, you're not part of this. It's between me and her, but you. It's traveling right through my body. Right. So anyway. Number three. Number three. Um, I will prioritize love and health. That's good. And this is the thing. It sounds very simple, but you guys, it's deeper than those words. We say that and we're like, yeah, yeah, love and health. What What does that mean? Mm-hmm. That is so deeply, ridiculously clear to me right now. Like it, it is, there is nothing, like people keep asking me if I'm nervous about this conference. I bet you're nervous. I'm not nervous. Yeah. You want to know why? My whole, my, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. My three girls are going to be there. My mom, my sister, my aunt, all my best friends, or most of them, not everybody can come. And all these wonderful people, what's there to be nervous about? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think I'll be, I think I would be more, we just did a gig uh, in January, right when, before yeah. you got sick. And there was a bunch of, we were asked to speak to a professional group. I was kind of nervous before that. Because they didn't know us, right? We, they didn't know us. Yeah. Whereas this, I think is more of a celebration. It, that's what I was going to say is we were just talking, Todd and I were talking last night, like for the conference, of course things go wrong. You know, you're missing a name tag or someone's not sure where to go or there's a misprint. It, yeah, and what does that mean? Yeah. It means nothing. nothing. Nobody cares. They may in the moment, and we will attend to them and support mm-hmm. them. It's not that we don't care about the person. Yeah. It's that it doesn't mean anything. All that matters is we are with people we love and we're doing what we love. And then in health, yep. there is nothing more important. Yep. When you are sick, when you are ground- All these things that you worry about go out the go window. Go out the window. So why don't when you're healthy, why don't you- continue that same philosophy. Right. I was just talking to a woman this weekend. I spoke this weekend and she said, I can't, you know, because I was said I was sick for a month. She's like, it would be impossible. She's like, I could never not work for a month. And I was like, yeah, you could because you couldn't. Yeah. Like, it's not like I'm like, I think I'll choose to not be. And in hindsight, nothing. I mean, yeah, I've been a little rushed with life, you know, catching up, but it's doable. Yeah. And, and I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. And there are people who get sick for years, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's what it is. So the point is, is the woman who wrote this book, Courtney Carver, she was diagnosed with a multiple sclerosis, which is why she started making all these changes. And so love and health prioritized. Number four, my absolute favorite, I will ask for help. I will yeah. ask for help. And this, um, to sp- speak about men and women, masculine and feminine, us guys have a little bit harder time, yes. I think, with that. Yes. I think the statistic now is that something like 62% or I vacillated between 58% and 62% of men who are dealing with mental wellness issues will not seek help. Mm-hmm. So that's over half. Yeah. We're growing, we're getting closer to 70%. Yeah. You know, I'm exaggerating. 62% of men do not ask for help when they're dealing with depression or any kind of mental wellness issues. Whenever I coach a guy, I have a coaching practice. The first thing I say is thank you for knowing that you don't know everything right. and that you can lean on somebody for support. Right. So anyways. 
And that's what we do. Like this is the all the realizations I'm coming to. And right now when I'm talking to you, my stomach hurts because it's like, no, don't do it. Um, is the is we have to. Like there are parts of us that believe asking for help makes us weak or that asking for help, I think what I've found in myself is that because I've been disappointed before mm-hmm. in the past and maybe someone didn't show up for me, I don't want to deal with that disappointment again. Mm-hmm. So I protect myself by not even bothering asking because what if they disappoint me? That scares me more. I would rather just deal with it myself because then no one can disappoint me. So asking for help is a risk. You know, as Cheryl Strayed, who's our, um, our speaker at this conference, one of my favorite quotes of hers is, be brave enough to break your own heart. Like, what does that mean? Be brave enough to take the risk of asking for something or telling someone you love them or saying to someone, I'm in pain, knowing that there is a slight possibility they could disappoint you, but there's a stronger and greater possibility that you will get the help you need. Yep. So that's I can ask Number for Number five. I will work with people who want my best and not my busiest. I will work with people who want my best, not my busiest. I'll give you, I can give you a perfect example. I don't know from, what that means. I know. I, I'll explain to you from her story. She used to work in, uh, I think it was like an advertising firm or something. It doesn't matter. And she had bosses, managers who were like, hand me, you know, hand over all the things you've been doing this week. Let's sit in a meeting and talk about what like you're going to do. Micromanaging. Micromanaging. And we do that in our family with not, our kids. Not looking at the big picture, looking at the small things that... Correct. Like, show me how busy you are. Yeah. And so I can then feel good about the work you're doing. Yeah. I mean, how many times, you know, like in school, sometimes homework is like that. Mm-hmm. Show me how busy you are, then I can feel good about, you know, you're keeping busy versus mm-hmm. what is your best? Yeah. Or what are the results? Like there's some salespeople out there that aren't working a lot of hours, but because they're really good at what they do, they can get results Correct. versus somebody who's working their tail off, but they're misguided or they're not informed or they don't have enough practice. And, but they'll, they'll think that they're more valuable to the company, even though their numbers don't reflect show that. it. And that's the thing is make sure that the work you're doing has purpose. Yeah. Are you just staying busy and just going through the motions? And is someone just asking you to go through the motions or does it really have purpose? Well, and this is Tony Robbins, but you can't, walk east looking for the sunset. In right. other words, you need to know how to do something right. in order to be, you know, you can work really hard at looking for the sunset when you look east, but you will never it's ever see it. You need to equip yourself with information with people that can do it. So anyways. Okay. So number six, I will ask better questions so we don't have to talk about how busy we are all the mm. time. And basically what that means is that so many conversations between men and men, between women and men, between women and women is how busy we are. And as we know, uh, as Brene Brown says, uh, productivity has become the new badge of honor. Who's ever busiest wins. Who's ever more overwhelmed is more worthy. Who's ever, um, you know, more exhausted is more demonstrates how valuable they are. Yep. And none of those things are true. It's a myth that we have created, perpetuated, and I am, ve- I very much so am enjoying saying to people, in 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 my integrity, not just saying it to, you know, make people feel bad. But I love saying, no, actually, I slept well last night. Or actually, I had plenty of time this weekend. Or, you know, when people, like I have a girlfriend who 
always says, I enjoy making plans with you because we make plans right away. She said, versus there's all these people I try to make plans with and they'll be like, oh, in two months we'll get together. And she's like, you know, when, when she's like, let's have coffee, I'm like two days from now. And I can't do that all the time with everybody. It's just, what are we waiting for? Like how busy are we? Yep. Okay. Number seven. I will not let my phone run my life. Yikes. Everybody's like, ooh. That's right. So obviously a phone can connect us, but it can disconnect us when we're constantly checking and looking at it all the time. We went to breakfast yesterday <laughs> and they were over your shoulder. We went to Rainbow and they were over your shoulder. Who's they? Uh, there was a, a family, okay. a woman and two of her kids. Okay. And they literally didn't, I, I didn't watch them the whole time, but for about five minutes- they didn't even look up. Right. All three of them were right. looking at their devices. Right. Now I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. Right. Well, we have a family rule that when we're sitting at a family agreement, yes. Um, that when we're sitting at dinner in our house or at a restaurant, the phones don't come out. When, when I see that happen, and like I said, I'm so guilty of being addicted to my phone. So please know I'm not preaching. But when I see families looking down for five minutes at a time, individually, I'm like, my gosh, our society, like we're going in the wrong direction. Well, and you know, part of the reason, Todd, you know this, that it offends you so much is because you see it in yourself. Like a lot of times the things we judge, we look at them and we, we say to ourselves, oh, they're so, you know, warped. But really what we're saying to ourselves is I'm so warped. One of these days, let's do a show about that whole idea. Like the things that annoy us and other people, there's a part of us inside. Of course. Because that's the whole reason it annoys us. Yeah. I mean, because we, and, and again, the belief system may not even be true. Yep. I'm not saying that if something annoys you about someone else, then it's absolutely true about you, but there's a part of you that believes it. Yes. And so it's, so anyway, so that's, I will not, I will not let my that's phone a, rule my life. That's a big one. It is. And there's just little things you can do, you guys. You don't have to get rid of your phone. You don't have to like, you know, be done with technology. What you do is you just have some limits around it for yourself. Do it for yourself first before you start imposing it on your kids Yes. Um, it, or simultaneously because it, it can be challenging. And and also have like yesterday, Todd invited one of our daughters to do something. She didn't want to do it. And he said, listen, that's fine. You don't have to go with me. But while I'm gone, no tech time. How did she do? Uh, great. Really? But her question was, can I listen to music still? Oh, You're yeah. like, sure. Oh, yeah. So you weren't like, throw that phone away. No. And she listened to music. She went for a walk. Yeah. Oh, she good. She was wonderful. She's... she's. So that's an important lesson. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'm not all that. So me and one of my kids was going to the park. The other one was watching a lot of TV that day. And I could have forced her as best I could say, nope, you're coming with us. And I've done that. Like we're well, all getting up, we're going. And to... what you guys were doing was not something she loves to do. Wasn't her right, thing. Right. Um, but I pulled back a little bit. This is that balance in between. Like I think a lot of author, 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 authoritarian, thank you. Dads would be like, you are coming with me and you are going to have fun. <laughs> and then other permissive dads would be like, okay, all just right. do. Can we do something else that'll and, make you happy? And keep watching your show uh-huh. and, and I, I struck that balance yesterday yep. and I'm not perfect, but yesterday I thought that I handled that one. Well, and the well. thing is, is the way that you handled it and the way that you spoke with her, it, there wasn't any reprimand even involved where all you said, all right, just no tech time. And she's like, okay, can I listen to music? Sure. And, and then there was no like yeah, big deal. It's not the what, it's the how. It's the what how. is my yeah. energy when I'm saying that? Like I could have said the exact same thing in a, in a, in a guilt ridden way. 
And hopefully I didn't do that. Like no, applying guilt right for her. There. No. Okay. So anyway. And she, so she went for a walk. She had her earphones. She came back. She found a new hairdo for herself. Oh, wow. I know. She like used the, t- she like had kind of a good time, but she was also listening to music the yeah. whole time, which Todd and I have no issue with because music to me is like. Oh, it's part, it's, it's part, it's of, part of, it's like breathing. It is for, especially kids. <laughs> number eight. So number eight, I will trade my FOMO for JOMO. What's JOMO? I know <laughs> okay, what FOMO I love this. is. Okay. So you guys know that FOMO is the fear of missing out and JOMO is the joy of missing out. And the reason why there's joy is that you have a choice, the joy in the choice. I get to choose. And because I'm doing less, I get to choose the things that mean the most to me. And then I can put attention and energy to the things that I'm, that I'm enjoying. So I know because my, my friends and I talk about this all the time. Do, there are times when like there's like activities in town or in school or maybe something to do with your work and all these people are going and you can't go or you said no and you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm not there. Yeah. Like that's the joy of I made a really good choice for me. It doesn't mean the activity that's occurring isn't valuable to other people. It's that I have joy in the fact that I don't have to do that. Mm. Like one thing that, Courtney Carver says in this book is that she used to call herself an extrovert and she would go, she just thought she was because she loved being with people. But she realized that she was doing all these things and going to all these activities and being in a certain way to convince herself she was a certain way. And really what she learned about herself is, of course, she loves people and she's great with people, but she's an introvert, which Mm -hmm. means that she needs time away from people to then want to be with people. Yeah. But sometimes people don't even want to admit to themselves who they are. Yeah. That took me a while too, because I'm like, but I love people and I feel like I'm so good with people. Therefore I must be this. And I'm not. Yeah. We'll criticize our kids for not knowing exactly who they are or what they want. And us adults right. are still doing our best to figure out who we are. Or we criticize our kids because they don't want to go to be a part of an activity that's overwhelming to them or because they don't want to go to like a dance that's mm-hmm. overwhelming for them. And we we get frustrated with them when they're just trying to say, this is not something that that feels right to me. Yeah. And so anyway, that goes Number down another nine. Number nine, I will create space for solitude. Now, what I liked about this, Todd, is what she says in this paragraph. Introverts need solitude, but so do extroverts. Protect your soul's need for silence and retreat. Mm. Take the time you need to retreat, refuel, then go back to being in the world with a full heart. Mm. So a lot of times we make up the story that introverts need time alone and they need to rest, which is very true. But then we'll say, but extroverts, they need no time alone. That's not true. Even extroverts need to know what's going on in their mind and body. So for those of you who are like, I get all my energy from other people, that may be true. But if you don't know what's going on inside of you, it's very difficult to be authentically present for others. Right, right. Were you going to play something? No, last one. Okay, number 10. I will linger longer. And I'm just going to read this. I will watch sunsets and sunrises. I will slow down and I will taste my food. I will let moments move me to laughter. I will take the time to notice love I will create space to nurture creative work, knowing that I can schedule a good idea, excuse me, plan work, um, knowing that my words will flow, orchestrate the magic of everything coming together just the way it's meant to. And what I love about the, the linger longer is really it just means not rush through things so much. Right. And recognize the other day, I don't know, it was like, I think it was before you went to Denver. <laughs> what were you watching? And you started laughing really, really, really hard. 
Uh, it was, I think I, I did a stupid video of ourselves promoting the conference. Yes. So Todd did this face. It's something you guys would probably not think is even that funny, but it made Todd laugh so hard. And the girls and I were in the room with him <laughs> so, and he was laughing so, it, Todd laughs all the time, but sometimes he laughs I more. don't belly laugh. He doesn't belly laugh as oh, much. I should belly and Todd laugh just started belly laughing and it made us laugh so hard. And I kept saying to him, I was lingering on it. I'm like, I loved hearing you laugh like that. because, mm. And I said to the girls, when your dad and I first got together, when I met him and he was just my friend in right. college, that is what he was like all the time. I know. And now, in no way is that a criticism, Todd, no, I because hear you. you're not 20 years old anymore. Well, you know and, what I mean? Yeah, it's funny. That's kind of my work because I, that's why I love Chris Lozier. He's a I good know. friend of mine because he's got the <laughs> he best laughs. belly laughs and he does it so frequently and I, gets I, I'm lovingly jealous of that. Yes. And that is in me. It is you. I just need to l- uncover, uh-huh. uh, release it. Speaking of. So I know. You and I both always loved that song. Oh, it's Dolores, such a pretty song. For those of you guys who don't know, Dolores O'Riordan passed away, what, a month ago? Yeah. And it was pretty devastating because she's my age. I know. 46. Yeah. It's a loss. But it's a sad song too, right? It is. Well, a lot of isn't their songs a, were Isn't sad. it about a dude who, or is it? Who, who, what, how does, how does that song go? You know what? I could sing it, but I don't know. I think I, it's about a love, a relationship that should be done, but they're just keeping on, even yeah. though it's not quite working well, out. There was a Seinfeld about that, or maybe it was a friend's about like rocking the Coke machine. <laughs> Do you remember that one? No. It's like you keep trying to get more out of it mm. and you know it's over. Um, but anyway, so those are the 10. And you guys, I mean, come on. I could barely even dive into any of them. They're all so deep and they're so personal. rich <laughs> they're so rich it is that's a brutal word you know what words i don't like you know what words i don't like you say it so everybody knows i don't like food words it's delicious i don't like juicy i don't like yummy i don't like when people are like i have the most yummy day i'm like <laughs> right like, it's okay when you're talking about it in reference to food. food if you're like this meal is so yummy right but when people are like oh that guy is so yummy i'm like ew yeah i don't like juicy yummy or delicious so when you see her at the conference <laughs> Make sure you do that. Um, like, this conference is so delicious. This is a delicious conference. <laughs> I told you, my our theme is be a force for good, but our underlying theme is going to be, it's going to be off the hook. It's going to be deliciously off the hook. It's going to be juicy and on point. It is going to be on point. <laughs> um, you have to go to yoga. I do. Goodbye. Um, I feel like I should say something else. Um, men's retreat. Any dudes out there? we got a space left, maybe two. Um, Team Zen, check oh, yeah. that out. We got a Team Zen talk today, actually. We got a Team Zen talk today. You know what? But we, what we should just end on is the conferences this weekend, you guys. If especially, I know for those of you who live far away and you have to get tickets to fly and everything, even though we got a lot of people flying in. If you live in the Chicago area and you like the show or you are a parent or 
this is interesting to you. My question is, why would you miss this? Yeah, and if you need some support, we're here to support you That's financially. Right. So. That's right. Yeah, so big, good point, Todd. If you're like, well, the reason I'm missing it, Kathy, is, is it's too expensive. Email me yeah. because we have Zen Friends and a scholarship program that are helping, supporting, and that is something we want to do. If you want to be there, we want to help you get there. Um, I'm going to close the show. You can actually leave. I'm just going to play 30 more seconds of the cranberries. Great. Okay. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also tell a friend about our show. Are you a force for good? If so, then get your tickets now for the Zen Parenting Conference, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018, with Cheryl Strayed, Milk, and Mike Damish. When purchasing your tickets, consider becoming a Zen friend for our conference scholarship program. Let's make sure anyone who wants to attend can be there. Come see us. We look forward to having everyone in Chicago. Check out all of our live events at zenparentingradio.com. You can also find our virtual community of listeners that we call Team Zen. You can find books and podcasts that we recommend and so many other opportunities and resources. Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or at Amazon. And just so you know, I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys on the phone, Skype, or in person. Contact me to uncover the subtle shifts that will change your life. First appointment's free. If you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out my men's group, thetribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link found on our homepage under Support Us. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And I want to give special thanks to two of our founding partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, and they can be found at chirotree.com, and Avid, painting and remodeling throughout Chicagoland area, and that's avidco.net. They've been with us since the beginning. And to all of you, thanks for your love and support. Keep on trucking. Thank you.